Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Well, hey, hello, hi. Welcome back. Another episode of Good Game, Nice Try. I'm Sonia Reed, and I'm joined by my... I, I keep wanting to say beautiful... Beautiful is the first no, go word. With, go, yep, go with it. Yep. Go with it. My That's what you want. Yep. Beautiful. Just follow compost. your heart. Follow your heart. Mm-hmm. Aaron Blair. How are you doing? I ordered an Oculus last night. I heard you impulse bought an Oculus at like two o'clock in the morning or something. Yeah, I woke up from a bad dream and I was like, ah. And then like I started looking at my phone and then like my sleep brain just ordered me an Oculus. <laughs> yeah, because then. I woke up and then I'm going about my day and I'm like, oh, I have an email. And it's like, order confirmation. Thank you, Aaron Blair from Amazon.com. You've ordered an Oculus too. And I was like, what? 4.35 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> so, and by the way, not only did I order, did my sleep brain order an Oculus, but I also ordered same day delivery. <laughs> so I'm like, well, my sleep brain ordered me an Oculus. Here's what came yesterday, okay? Yep. I do not have an Oculus. Instead of an Oculus in the box... I have a blue women's Ooh. medium evening dress. <laughs> yeah. What? I have a pair of size nine white pumps, oh. women's high heeled shoes. Uh huh. This is all real, by the way. Wait, this is in an Amazon box. This is in the Amazon box addressed to me uh. instead of an Oculus. Uh. The last thing in the box is. Allen-based women's butt lifter <gasps> control panties, medium black. What the hell happened there? Um, <laughs> Instead of an Oculus headset, I got a, a very good-looking evening dress, white pumps, uh, and and some butt shorts. <laughs> you know? So I guess I've, that's my new cosplay. I have multiple questions, but the first being, does it fit? <laughs> Well, I haven't opened it yet. Oh. So anyway, yeah. So now what's going on with you? What's happening in the Sonya world? Well, I didn't black out buy an Oculus and get a butt lift, but I noticed on stream recently that I, I've been wanting to play more games and get more, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm just at a point that I'm kind of outside of VR. I feel almost like burnt out on oh, games. No. Like there's nothing new like th- that's exciting me right now. Nothing um, that's really captured my attention. But in talking to my stream, I realized that there is a game that I've really overlooked and a game that's like kind of come out recently that I think I think this is going to be it. Whoa, what is it? And I realized that I do have a racing wheel. So this is going to go perfectly and pair so nicely with Lawnmower Simulator. 
What? F- standalone, full-on lawnmower simulator. Okay. Is there like a campaign mode? Is there like other bosses? All I know is that I can utilize this racing wheel. I can cut some grass and I can live out my best life. You know, so is it like different riding lawnmowers? You know, staying true to a lot of it, because they do like all the simulator or a lot of like the really big popular simulator games. So I'm imagining it's kind of in a similar vein. I'm hoping that you get to like trick out your riding lawnmower and there's upgrades and, and everything. So I, That'd be dope. I'm curious. I'm intrigued. I don't want, I want this to be real and I don't want it to be a joke. Like I oh, love Bus Simulator because they don't play it for laughs. And that's it. That's it. Similar energy. I want to see a push mower in there. That's what I think that you should, you should get your bearings on the best tech available and yes. then you slowly devolve Ooh, over the that. entire series. You work your way down. Bring it. I love that. Well, that's going to be exciting. I can't wait. Now, let me know if you want me to put my dress and pumps on Ooh. and help you mow your lawn. I'm here for you. Say no more. I love it. All right. Well, look, I think that, yeah, <laughs> I want to see, see this. Yeah. <laughs> Sonia's looking forward to lawnmower simulator, and I'm just going to start wearing dresses and pumps and butt go. shorts because it makes me feel good. So there you go. That's where we're at. All right. Let's see this pivot. You know, our guest today, very excited, extremely talented writer and comedian who's the co-head writer and executive producer at Full Frontal with Samantha B, one of my favorite shows. He also has a new book, Silent Hill 2, that dives deep into the world of Silent Hill. Uh, and I got to say, this was a delight because he also worked for Nintendo. And mm-hmm. so it was really cool to hear all about his... And, you know, Nintendo is such a fascinating company. And being able to peek behind that curtain, I thought, was a delight. Very cool. um, Yeah, without any further ado, here's our interview with Mr. Mike Drucker. Hey! Thank you for coming. This is a a real thrill. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm I'm very excited. I'm also a fan. Ooh la la. Ooh. Ooh la la. Yeah, it's so nice to have you. I, you know, I feel like how, you know, all good friendships start and all good budding friendships start. I um <laughs> I was admittedly creeping through your Instagram a little bit. Thank you for um, that. And I, I truly think it's the most amazing space because it is the perfect like cross-section Venn diagram of really, really awesome, cool retro collectibles. Thank you. And then also it tells a story of the abandonment and decay of, <laughs> of Christmas trees. Yep. And I just want to know all about both. Um, well, I, uh, I, I held off getting an Instagram for a, a long time because I don't, I don't love being in photos. Like, I don't mind it anymore, but it's like one of those things where I've never been, I've never been like, I'm going to take a photo of me. <laughs> Right. And so it always seemed like like a platform that just wouldn't work for me. And then I was like, oh, I can just put photos of things I buy on there and things I think are funny. And so I started to do that mostly with video games. Video games are what I spend the most of my like money on, probably, in terms of not non-essential life things. Wait a second. I would say they are essential life things. They Come are on. essential life things. Yeah, true, true. I'm doing but some essential, rent. yeah, I'm doing some essential shopping on Steam, you know? <laughs> The apartment where I store all the mini arcade machines costs more than the mini arcade machines. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, and for the dead Christmas tree one, it was, I actually was living in LA at the time and I just sort of like noticed how sad it felt that like a day after Christmas or two days after Christmas, there were just like these beloved objects thrown onto the street. And so I kind of like got fascinated and I would take photos 
And I started posting them. Yeah. And I do it every year. The The weirdest ones are when you find an abandoned Christmas tree before Christmas because you know <laughs> there's a story and you don't know what it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they gave up a little early. Yeah. Yeah. That's very Hemingway baby shoes never worn situation. Exactly. What's happening there? What's happening? Right. Right. De- definitely. Yeah. I, I love how you have such an appreciation of uh, just retro collectibles cabinets. You yeah. have how many cabinets? Uh, <laughs> I I don't it's not that it's not that they're uncountable. I just don't know. Probably <laughs> numbers don't go that high, is what you're uh, saying. Yeah. <laughs> um probably if you count all of them, which includes like the little keychain ones that are like that work, but they're very tiny ones, probably yeah. right. 30. Oh my god. Wow. Yeah. Once I uh I I'm from a small city in Canada and I uh was supposed to be we were Backing up. I was supposed to be doing uh, some kind of event with somebody who was about an hour away and they were coming to me. And I, I always look on the Canadian version of Craigslist. It was Kijiji, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which, which is incredible in and of itself. But uh, they had a free section where they would always post like old retro stuff and like retro games that people are just trying to get rid of, essentially. Yeah. And I noticed that somebody was getting rid of a 2600. Oh, wow. And I'm like, okay, okay, that's cool. And I asked this person who was coming down, I'm like, hey, do you mind, you know, meeting up with this guy on Kijiji and and grabbing (laughs) this for me real quick? And when he brought it, it was an Atari 2600, but I didn't realize it was one of the ones that was in the first year of production, like 1977. So it was actually one of like the heavy sixer ones. It was shaped a little bit differently and it was fully in the box. What? Yes, and somebody was just getting rid of this. Oh my God, that's and, so crazy. And I'm like, what an incredible find. So I have to ask, is there something that you've just like come across that way that you that you value in that way? <laughs> so my answer to your question is actually not a video game. It is a video game adjacent thing, which was I growing up was a big fan of the show Captain N, the Game Master, which was a Nintendo licensed cartoon that had Whoa. like, Basically, this, like, high school student gets trapped in video games and he, like, goes on adventures with Mega Man. They call him Kid Icarus, but as we know, his name is Pitt. Um, mm-hmm. I lo- I was a localizer on Kid Icarus, so I'm a big fan. Um, there we go. Uh, so, uh, Kid Icarus, Mega Man, Simon Belmont from Castlevania, and they're all nothing like their characters. They're clearly, <laughs> they're that era of video games when there was no style guide. Like, right. when, when some guy just looked at it, he's like, I guess that's what it looks like. like I get the gist. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And I was a huge show of this as a kid. It was like around when I was six or seven. So when it stopped airing, I sort of just didn't know why. It was sort of before you understood what canceled was for a show. (laughs) So I was like, oh, the show just disappeared. And over the years, I've, you know, I've found things like an old comic book. They had a comic book series. But a couple of years ago, I found a bunch of animation cells for almost nothing from the show because it's not a popular show. Nobody watched it. But because of that, I was able to find and get a ton of animation cells from the show. And a friend of mine also sent me one that I could like, and I have now framed on my walls. And it's this weird thing that um, I've done that with uh, art from Captain N, and I've also done it with Jeffrey Dollars from Toys R Us, like the old (gasps) paper ones. Very cool. Um, And to me, that's sort of like the cool thing is it's like I have a ton of cool video games that I like, but like the cool discoveries are almost like the things just around the experience. Yeah, Absolutely. Jeffrey Dollars. Haven't heard that name in years. <laughs> yeah, God, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, because I was, I moved into this apartment 
uh, from LA and I was leaving a furnished apartment. So like, I didn't have a lot of decorations. So I was like, what would, I'll buy a bunch of Jeffrey dollars and get them framed. Like I kept thinking <laughs> yes. of like different things. Cause I like nerding up my place, but I'm also like hesitant about just making it like shelf after shelf of action figures. Like I right. want to sort of, right. I want people to want to have sex with me. And <laughs> <laughs> at least the, at least the chance, at least the I want to be in the game. At least the chance. At yeah. least the option is on the table. And I think, <laughs> I think that Jeffrey dollars is definitely the right direction for that. I will, right. I will exactly. say. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say one thing. And to your point, one thing I kind of, Look, I love the fact that video games, nerd culture, all these things have exploded because all of us grew up as nerds and now we get to make stuff and we get financing and backing and we can do really cool shit. But the bummer is there are those really weird things that Mm -hmm. kind of surrounded video games that now... Because corporate America is like, cool, these games are going to make billions of dollars. You don't really get that anymore. You don't get yeah. those kind of weird little misfires. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's just, and you know, we think about, obviously, the very famous story of all the E.T. games being thrown mm-hmm. in, into a pit in the desert. Like, now it would just be patched. Those mm-hmm. games, yep. that game would just be patched and it wouldn't be even a story. It would The story would just be like, oh, this game is disappointing. Six patches later, it's cool. You should play it. Like, <laughs> and so the, the, the little retro arcade cabinets, those are, I feel like in a sense, a relic from that time. And I think that's why, again, like that's why yeah. it, it like sticks in my heart where the emotions yeah. live, you know? No, I absolutely agree. Like it was so fun. When I, uh, I worked at Nintendo for a short time and- when I was there, I built a Nintendo museum at my desk of like things I found on eBay. Cool. And there was things like, like a t- like a like a TV tray, uh, like a Legend of Zelda pillowcase, but they're all so off brand. But yeah. they're like they're cl- like they're real. They're legit <laughs> products. Right. I had I didn't have the actual cereal in it, but I had the box from the Zelda Mario cereal. Oh I also gave this I gave this all to the company when I left. Amazing. Aww. It's a good company. Uh, it is a company. If you get the chance to work for them, they yeah. are a good company. Um, but uh, yeah, I had things like I had like um, the Atari King Kong. I had the ColecoVision King Kong. Um, one of them was in plastic. I, I probably wow. wasn't worth anything, but I don't know. Still, I, yeah, yeah, but still. But yeah, it's those things. And like, I, I do wonder like now, like kids who are playing you know, maybe their first video game experience is Fortnite. Yeah. There's a million figures. And there's not that love of, oh, I found this weird thing that a company Mm -hmm. was licensed to do and they have no idea what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Oh, God. My, um, I have a a friend who's still at Nintendo and he'll send me random crap he finds. (laughs) And he sent me this, like, Mario-scented, like, cologne for kids what that was from like 15 or 20 years ago what does mario smell like it smells very like light flowery it almost smells like like very light rose ish (laughs) um it's clearly like if you're a middle schooler who's going to a dance and you want to be fancy (laughs) it spritz a little mario on you but it's so there's so much fun stuff uh (laughs) when you dig there and also uh at nintendo every year they used to do something called the garage sale which around christmas time they would you, they would raffle off who gets to go in first, and then there's sort of a line based on different things. Yeah. And you would go in, and there would be, like, old stuff. Like, one of the translators I worked with found, like, a full-on NES in a box. And it was just because Nintendo was clearing out that area. Um, I have, like, f- four or five Game Boy Micros 
Game Boy Advance micros just because they were like ten dollars at the garage sale. Oh my, that's um, incredible! And it's 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 it was so much fun. But you would find stuff like that. You would also find like a lot of copies of Game Boy Advance games nobody wanted. It's like there's a lot of <laughs> The Sims herbs at those, but the at Sims. the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Top favorite game of all time. <laughs> yeah, how dare what can you? I say? <laughs> but it was like such a cool thing to be like, oh, look, it's like, or like there's a promotional t-shirt from Majora's Mask. You know, like it would just be cool stuff like that. Yeah. That's so cool. I know. I really miss back in the day uh, when I was younger. I remember Nintendo Club used to do like physical birthday gifts. Yeah. Like they would actually send physical gifts. And I remember getting like a, a Nintendo calendar, little pop-out calendar and little trinkets and stuff. And yeah. God, where did all those go? Like those were so that cool. A, I missed sale. that. Clearly it was at the garage, garage sale, sale, I guess. They went to employees. That's yeah. amazing. Mike, yeah. what's, what's something that would surprise people um, that goes on behind the scenes there or like that uh, that your job entailed? Well, I worked in localization. For people who don't know, explain what localization is. Um, localization is, uh, you, you, and different companies do it differently, but what Nintendo does is they'll pair an English language writer who's specifically hired to be an English language writer with a Japanese translator. And you will work as a team. Sometimes you work in groups of teams, but you're always partnered with somebody and you will not just translate the game, but also make things make sense in the other language. So things like, you know, idioms, phrases, cultural touchstones, you know, sometimes you'll, in writing, you'll write an accent, but that accent you have to then figure out how to sort of phonetically write out a tough guy accent. You know, like, or there's like little things like um, designs of characters. You know, sometimes uh, something that, you know, visually we have different references. So sometimes you'll look at a character and you go, I know sort of what he is. Like, I know that he's supposed to be popular in high school. But to Americans, having a red armband like armband around your suit just looks like a Nazi or nothing. You know what I mean? So there's like, there's like little things where you're like, and you go back and forth. And the, the nice thing, or the thing that people don't think about it is at least at Nintendo. And again, that's the only place I've done this. It's, it's a conversation. Like we're talking with the team as the game's being made. Like when I was working on Kid Icarus, we were like looking at the script as the script was coming in and updating the script as the script was, and, and, and they would come to us and they would, we would go back to them. And at the end of the day, it was always their choice, um, especially because that was a Sakurai game, and that man is brilliant. He's insane, but he's brilliant. <laughs> um, but at but at the same time, it's much more like it's not like we got a bunch of Japanese texts. We're rewriting it, and the Japanese team has no idea what we wrote in it. Right. The Japanese team, most a lot of Japanese people speak English as a second language. They just don't speak it fluently, so they can't localize. But they'll be like. You know, they'll be like, hey, what does this mean? Or we noticed you named this character this. We don't really understand that. And you'll explain to them. You know, um, I think the misconception a lot of people have is that in modern games, uh, the Japanese company just releases it. Their hands are off it. Someone mistranslates it and ruins their vision. And then the Japanese company has been, you know, wronged by it. And it's much more collaborative than that. And, you know, Japanese developers are aware of the Western product. It's not like they suddenly <laughs> stop looking at it. Like, um, all right, hands yeah. off. Like <laughs> That's how it's treated sometimes. Like it's very much treated like it's like these idiots ruined it because they didn't translate that RPG exactly the same way. And it's like there was probably 10 conversations about that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 100 percent And Kid Icarus is some is a game that it's it's very involved. Like there is a lot of narrative. Yeah. There is a lot to it. So that's a pretty involved uh yeah. process to be in. 
And there was and there was like a couple translators and writers like uh, like I was the, the second on it. Uh, this woman, Anne Lynn, was the first and she's amazing. Um, so it's like, you know, teams of teams of people. So that's the other thing, too, is like you have more than one Japanese translator looking at a script. You have more than one English language writer looking at a script. You have copy editors who are also there looking at your script. And then um, after that, you you would you will pass the script to the Spanish, uh, the Latin American Spanish translator and the uh, French Canadian translator And then they will pass those off to the European Spanish translator and the European French translator. So that's sort of our, that was their workflow 10 years ago. It may now be completely different. Wow. I know. I'm so fascinated by that and by translation and and also just cultural differences and how when you're telling a story, how the the most subtle, like the... The phrases that we don't even think about can really right. be subtly different that can mean a lot. And yeah. one mm-hmm. of my favorite examples is I love one of my favorite YouTube series, which sadly ended, but is called Every Frame of Painting. And it's right. about, uh, do you know Every Frame of Painting? I do. Oh, it's great, right? So the yeah. one about, uh, Tony Zhu did about translation, he uses this example, which I love, which is there is a, the Yakuza, right? The Japanese mafia. Right. In the English dub, they say, let's go show these guys we mean business. Right. But what the actual, what they're saying in Japanese would actually translate uh, more directly to, let us go show these men our influence. Yeah. And that just, and I love that example because everybody knows, oh, let's go show these guys we mean business. And it's kind yeah. of a throwaway line. But the influence, like the actual translation really shows that these guys are not brash. Let's go. Cr-. No, they're yeah. like, this is it's more about their character. It informs mm-hmm. their character a yeah. little bit more. Are there any specific instances you had when you were uh, doing this like that? You were like, wait a second, guys, I think it would be better if we did this specific thing because uh, of the story or the character that come to mind. Um, n- only for like specific jokes. Uh, oh, for the yeah. story itself, I didn't for the story itself. Uh, Anne had it much more together. Anne was also great at jokes, but Anne was the lead. So she was much more in charge. Jokes of are things. really tough. I mean, because you're yeah. trading on a kind of foreknowledge that your audience should or should not have. So, yeah, but there would be. Yeah, there would be back and forth about it. Or, yeah, there would be times when it was almost like, a you know, the Japanese translator going, here's why it's funny in Japanese. Right. And explain it. And that way you go, OK, I'm going to reverse engineer that and try to create a joke that either gives a similar sentiment or gets that message across. Because it's just like you're saying, like, let's show them we mean business and let's show them, like, the power of our influence. Those could be translated into each other, but they're not quite the same. Yeah. And it's also like, it's not just like the Japanese translator gives me something and I'm like, all right, I'll write it. Like, he'll, I had a he, but there's both genders. Um, He uh, read my script and he would go like, this doesn't, this isn't quite what they mean. Or, you know, uh, this needs to, this probably, this word confuses what he's doing. It's a very collaborative process. And it was super fun. Um, It was, it's again, such, there's times when I'm like, oh, I left, I left the gates of heaven to be in comedy, (laughs) which feels like a mistake. It is such a great company. Yeah. I was going to say that, that seems like, you know, with, with I mean, you've done a, a a lot of incredible things. I mean, being on The Tonight Show, Adam Ruins Everything, Full Front, like there's so, there's so much there. But as we're all, we're all nerds here. I feel like working at Nintendo, that's that's a dream job. That's the job I'll like think of when I die. Like that'll be like, that'll be like the like, oh, I worked at Nintendo and then I'll die. (laughs) And that's it. That's famous it. fast words, famous last yeah. words. <laughs> I'm like a guy who was like in the NFL for one season. And I was like, oh man, those were the years though. Rudy, you're like Rudy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, how did, how did that, well, explain for people who want to work for Nintendo, how did that come about? Um, 
They were uh, they were looking for writers, and I had a friend who used to be a comedian in quick comedy and who ended up there through a long path, and he was a writer. And what Nintendo was looking for specifically was someone who could write comedy. And a lot of people who want to be game writers are often... They're often they're often more interested in sort of serious narratives. You know, yeah. there's a lot of people. There are people who are like you know fantasy novelists or who are writing fantasy. A lot of fantasy novelists, a lot of like sci-fi writers, um, people sort of interested in that area. Whereas I was like came from the world of joke, 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 joke. Yeah. So I was just sort of they were missing or at least needed an extra person who had that skill set. So that sort of helped. I would say if you want to be hired as a game writer, one, um, you know, start writing about games and start trying to like make things in like RPG maker or, you know, learn, you know, Python and make simple games because those help have a writing sample. Also don't be weird. Like don't be (laughs) weird. I, I like, because I feel like, like so many people, I like in interviews, one of the reasons I think I got it, it was because I didn't think I was going to get it. So throughout the interview, I was like, it's just great to talk to you guys. Oh, yeah. But like, I I love that. I love that. Yeah. I was like, and I literally said the interview at the end of the interview, I was like, I hope you guys find who you're looking for. Oh, Oh, what a power move. (laughs) And then they call you and they're like, we found you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Mike's big time in them. I love it. I found out later that helped me because like people in those interviews will like lose their shit because they're such big fans that they're like, like that they'll, you know, when you need someone who like, you can be like, hey, you're about to meet this famous developer. You can't go insane. You have to be a professional person with them. And if you weep (laughs) at the sight of Nintendo, you might not be the person to give to this person, you know? Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Mike, I, I really appreciate you've written so many great things about games, all you know, and you. just in general and about the world and all that that stuff. And, you know, you wrote a book about Silent Hill, too, which is. That's right. Yeah. And um, I am a huge horror fan and oh. am dying to talk to you about this. <laughs> yes. But, but, but also you, you discuss and, and, and kind of, you know, what you're saying, it, what you were saying earlier in terms of just writing about things you love, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you know, as a way in, I think is, is great as well. Yeah. And also, like, you know, uh, I would also say have an opinion on things. Right. Uh, I think that the one thing that too many people want to do is write reviews. Mm. And oftentimes, 
you know, you can find someone to review a game anywhere. Like, but if you're writing <laughs> things that are funny or if your reviews are coming from a different angle yes. or it, just like, it's, it's impossible to say be original. Cause that's like saying go viral. Like if everyone <laughs> hey, could do it, they would just do it. Right. Just go viral. Hey, just go do viral. it. It's that easy. Go viral. <laughs> but I would say, try to figure out what your style is and what you kind of like. Don't feel like you yeah. have to stick to, you know, IGN style or polygon style or Kotaku mm-hmm. style, just or, you know, a specific game style. Like, RPGs don't all have to be written the same way if you're writing one in RPG Maker. So try totally. to find what you like and your angle, but also just just trust yourself. Yeah, I like how, you know, again, speaking of, like, which, just coming at it at different angles, um, you you did an amazing uh, article on, you, re- you reviewed multiplayer games. <laughs> <laughs> For when you don't have friends, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it was yep. just, something that spoke to me. It, spoke it was very relatable, uh, very yep. relatable, and it was just such a good angle to come at that from. And it was, it was just so funny. Thank you, thank you. Like, yeah, I, I have so well, you know what it is? It's not that people aren't willing to play games with me. It's <laughs> that like, like my friends are either all or nothing. So it's either five hours of Destiny Two or nothing, uh, and I'm not going to do that. That's fair. Me too. A hundred percent. A hundred. All my friends are either I will not pick it up, or I've got all the skins, right. or I've like you know put every cup in Elder Scrolls into one room. You know, <laughs> yeah. like they're those people, and I love them to death. But it right. is like, oh man, can we just like I don't know, play like a fun little just game? Just want to hang out. Can we play Mario Tennis? Yeah, yeah Mario. T- yeah, exactly. <laughs> is there a game that you that you have involved yourself in that deeply, or that you've thrown everything into? That you are like ride or die for? I was pretty into Diablo for a while. My brother was extraordinarily into Diablo, but um, I was also very, very into Diablo. So I think for a while that was, and that's to me kind of my ideal multiplayer game that like you can play Diablo for a long time, but you also don't Mm -hmm. need to. Yes. Right. Um, So I'd say Diablo, but that was also like high school. And in high school was also Starcraft as well in high school. Like that was, I was in high school, the perfect time for Starcraft and Diablo. And my high school had got funding because it was in a poor area for computers, but the computer teachers never showed up. So we had a lot of StarCraft in high school. <laughs> I love that. That's a lot so of StarCraft, good. a lot of emulators with King of Fighters. It was a good time. Wow. Oh, my yes. God. Living the dream. That is Holy so good. Moses. Here's how not monitored we are. I brought my Dreamcast with the Samba de Amigo Maraca controllers. <laughs> and... I was able to do that. No, I didn't get in trouble. I wasn't asked not to do that because I did it more than once. I love it. That's so good. Oh, my God. It, it brings me back to uh, in high school. I took a lot of computer classes. Um, like I took engineering and networking and everything else in between. But it was the same teacher for every computer class. He was just the computer guy. And it yeah. helped that he was just cool as hell. He didn't really care. And on his, he cared. But like in a, once we got our work done, he's like, OK, we're blocking up the window. We're just gonna connect a LAN, and we're just gonna, <laughs> we're just gonna play Quake. Is that okay? Can oh we just hang God! out and play Quake? So oh, that so brought great. me back. I wish I had maracas, and I wish I went that direction. But it was a lot of Quake. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the closest thing I have to that, which is not really close, but is uh, in high school, my physics teacher uh, just let us play Roller Coaster Tycoon. Uh, I was like, this uh, is physics, right? It's like yeah. kind of physics. <laughs> it works. <laughs> physics adjacent. <laughs> physics adjacent. I'm just going to go have a drink in the corner. You guys uh, have yeah. fun. He was the bomb, man. That guy, oh, the best. I will. I also have, um, I don't know if you've ever seen those weird little laptops that have controllers built into them. Oh, yeah. Those are funky. 
Those are I cool. Have, I have one of those. And so, oh, and, very that, cool. and Hades doesn't need a lot of computer power. So like I, like I was able to have like it on steam and kind of on a portable. So That's I would cool. be on like work calls that weren't on video and I would be playing. <laughs> Hades. That's amazing. I loved it. I love Hades so much. Oh, I'm not a big rage quit guy, but Hades is one of those ones. I just get so angry at myself because you want to, you want to have a long run, man. And you just, you, uh, just, you just know you're not going to get it if you get hit by Meg. But when you start to hit that, like, you know, when you're like skating around doing damage, like it, uh, it's beautiful. You feel like, you know, uh, what is that? Bullet, uh, bulletproof by LaRue. Com- you feel like that's what's on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you are just sliding around. No one can hit you. It's the best. Mike, what's your opinion of are the, I feel like there's a big push right now of games that start off as one thing, but then they become a whole other situation. I'm talking about games like Frog Fractions. Have you played uh, this? Like near a little bit. Yeah, yeah, okay. yep, yep. Like stories untold. These mm-hmm. kinds of these kinds of games are those. Do you? Because some of my friends find those extremely annoying. I don't. What's weird is I I don't find them annoying, but I kind of do want to know that. I just want someone to at least tell me it's like just keep playing. You'll <laughs> something happens. That will keep me playing. Like even if that said that in the Steam description, yeah. but just going <laughs> just in blind keep and the yeah, just keep <laughs> playing the game. Trust us. Trust us. You're 16 hours in. Where is the turn? You're like just keep <laughs> just keep there going. There is no turn. Just keep going, going man. Yeah. Uh, now um, I'm now I'm just thinking of people putting the, that as reviews. And you're, you're reading through yeah. it, like just keep going. And again, just you're like going. 18 hours in, and you're like, but, but when? <laughs> But but, it's, when? See, but here, but here is the devil's advocate for that situation because, like, for instance, I'm a huge book nerd. I love reading books. Books are great. One of my <laughs> favorite, like, techniques or whatever is the unreliable narrator. Yeah, famously, course. obviously, Fight Club, right? Famously, unreliable narrator. You're not seeing the true story. Okay, but the problem is. <laughs> With those games that are unreliable narrator games where it starts as one thing and about another game, you can't just go searching for them because then you know that it's going to be one of those games. Right, so it's yeah. like, then the whole turn is is completely different. Yeah, it's a, it's a, and the, the game I wrote a book about has an unreliable narrator. <laughs> there we go. And let's talk about it. I yeah! love it. Yeah! I love um, it. It's a book about Silent Hill 2. Yes. <laughs> this is Being the first sensitive. podcast where it made, made sense to talk about this book. Oh. But uh, no, it's part of the series Boss Fight Books, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners know about. But if you don't, there are, it's a series of little books. They're each about like 120, 150 pages. And each one analyzes and breaks down a different game. There's great books in it. There's a book about Spelunky by act- by the guy who actually made Spelunky, which is amazing. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. That's um, cool. Yeah. Uh, he's the only one that did that. There's a Majora's Mask, that one that just came out. There's... Um, a Red Dead Redemption one that just came. There's like yeah. so many different games. It's such a great series. And I was lucky enough to write one about one of my favorite games, which is Silent Hill 2. So did you get, did you pitch them? I want to write Silent Hill 2. Or they were like, we we want you to write Silent Hill 2. I had a few ideas in my head. Okay. And the first one that I pitched was Parappa the Rapper. And, <gasps> and, 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 and. My heart. It was. And the conversation was kind of like, well, do you do you like know anything about music? And I was like, no. It's like, well, do you know a lot about like the fan base? And I was like, no. Oh. And he was like, well, maybe there's something else you could do. But Parappa the Rapper is still at your heart, though. It's still at my heart. It's I still love at my that. heart. Yeah. Um, so at Silent Hill 2 was like 
the like si- like Parappa the Rapper was my I'll write a funny book about this game and Silent Hill 2 is like I'll use my, my I got a master's in lit and have never used it and that has now uh, not earned back any of the 40,000. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that I am I am a little bit sad that, that that degree isn't being put towards Parappa the Rapper, I will say, <laughs> but I'm still but, I'm still going to hold my breath for that. Yeah. One thing I love, you know, Silent Hill 2, first of all, I love absolutely love horror of any mm-hmm. kind. And Silent Hill 2, you know, I-, I think was at least one of my first experiences of a game that dealt with like larger issues. It, what it's not yeah. just a game. It's dealing with all these other issues in such a cool way. Um and you know, and, and you know, the first time you played Silent Hill 2, what was your experience with, you know, what was your experience playing? Did you know what you were in for, I guess? I, I had played the first Silent Hill, so I had like, and I was a big fan of it. So I yeah. I sort of was like, okay, I know that at some point this town will change. Um, but I didn't know what to expect. Also, because yeah. if you haven't played Silent Hill 2, this it's weirdly one of the few games in the series that doesn't really tie to the rest. Uh, right. Um, but, you know, it's... It's it's a slow burn to start to a game. You know, you you're walking through like a a parking lot and then like up a hill, and it's a while before you get to anything involving combat. So, just your initial experience with the game is sort of like it almost feels. It's almost. I think it threw me off a bit when I first played it because it's now kind of what I would consider like walking simulator ish, or at least how mm-hmm. games know when to be slower. Yeah. Um, Interesting. And at the time, you're sort of like because you're used to things like you know. Metal Gear Solid 2 was released around the same time. And you're used to it being like amazing opening scene, instant right. action. Yeah. And it's Konami. So you're like, okay. And I wasn't expecting it to be Metal Gear, but I was like, what is this? This is taking this is taking so long. And then like the first thing you kind of do is meet a sad woman in a graveyard. And like <laughs> right. and she basically says she doesn't know who her mother is. And it's like so it starts so slow and it's so uh like it fills you with dread, but it's also immediately sad. That, like, yeah. when I first played it, I was like, oh, this is, I've never played anything like this game. Yeah. And another thing is it really didn't play up, like, on its box, really, or it what you're fighting against. You know, yeah. at the time, like, you you know zombies in Resident Evil. You know yeah. uh, the, you know, dude with the giant scissors in Clock Tower, whatever his name is. Someone, <laughs> someone, someone will say. Um, <laughs> but, like, you would sort of know those. And again, Silent Hill 2, you're like, I don't know what is bad. Like, yeah. I don't know what is bad coming for me. Totally. Yeah, there's only so much that you can do, just jump scares over and over mm-hmm. and, and slap a horror title on it. But no, you're right. Just that kind of slow burn of building into it. Although I'm imagining, you know, reading the Steam comments and it's like, just keep going. Just keep just going. Just keep going. <laughs> just keep going. One thing that, so Silent Hill 2, I think, stuck with me mm-hmm. after I played it for a really long time. And I was looking for that high, Ooh, that sweet yeah. horror high again. And I think it's because there is there's a lot about it that's not explicable. I mean, there there yeah. is a thing of it makes you think and it makes you draw your own conclusions. It's not putting a zombie there in front of you. It's not yeah. have you know here's some weird spiders or whatever. And I think that's the I I think it's the first game I ever played that was haunting. Yes, mm-hmm. it's exactly. It is not an especially if you just go by scares. It's not the scariest game. But it's probably a it's probably among games very good at making you feel bad emotionally, but oh, in a way that's yeah. intentional and heavy. Um, like Resident Evil has a lot of jump scares and monsters burst out of things. It's scary. Yeah. Silent yeah. Evil Two is like a sad sinking feeling. <laughs> yeah, you sp- feel despair. Right. Exactly. Exactly. What is the next book uh, that you would write a video game about? 
Uh, if not Parappa the Rapper. Please. Um, <laughs> what would be, you know what? I would probably write a book about Alpha Centauri. Oh. The Sid Meier game. Whoa. You know, I've, I've never played that game. It is an amazing game. Um, I Like, you know, it's very year two. It came out like in 2000 or 2001. So it's old, but it is, it's fascinating how good it is. Wow. Well, I think this leads us very nicely, a beautiful segue to, like, we like to end every podcast with uh, our guests' best game and their worst game. Oh, that's tough. That is that is a tough question. That's right. Um, game I love the most, you know, what always comes to mind is Mario 64. I don't even know if it's my favorite game anymore, but that is, it's almost like Mario 64 to me feels like a movie that you'll always watch if it's on. Like, I'll never... Beat, I'll probably like, I won't beat Mario 64 in one run, but I'll be like, oh, I'm going to play it for an hour and I'll have so much fun. Yeah. So Mario 64. I like that. And why? Because of the world or the mechanics or anything in particular? I think, I think sort of that. Like it's the Venn diagram of definitely nostalgia, but also it still plays well. It's super fun. And, you know, the level design, because it's from that time, is simple enough where you can be like, I can get a couple stars and feel like I'm doing something in the game relatively right. quick. It does feel like a like a light commit where you're like, I can jump in, jump in at a painting or two real quick and then just right. dip out of here. It does feel yeah. good. 100%. Um, and hate. Game that I hate. It's, it's interesting because I'm trying to think like, like, like most game that most disappointed me as a child, but do I hate it or do I hate... <laughs> Uh, Dota 2 because my friends don't shut up about it and I don't like it. Um, and I don't, don't at me, people listening to this. I, I have tried to like Dota 2. I just don't. That's fair. And that's one of those games where my friend was like, well, how much time have you put into it? And I was like, I would probably put like 15 hours. Yeah. And he was like, well, you got to put in like a lot more. And he, and he had 2,000 plus. <gasps> Jesus. Oh my and I was like, I'm never going to, I won't even do that with someone I'm in a relationship <gasps> with in terms of seeing them in person. That's a marriage. Yeah. 2,000 hours. And it's like over years, obviously. But I was like, I don't, even things I love, I don't love that much. Yeah. You're like, how many hours have you put into this? Enough. Enough. Just enough. <laughs> it doesn't get good until like the 19th hundredth hour. Yeah, keep going. Yeah. Really... Keep going. Keep, keep just playing. Keep going. It's fine. Keep it's going. around the corner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> keep going. Like, I, and it's it's sad because I, I understand what makes it good. Like, I get why it is a good game. Right. I just don't like it. <laughs> uh, my good. Well, Mike Drucker, thank you thank so you. much. This was a pleasure. And uh, of course, everyone go out and get Mike's book on Silent Hill 2. It's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I've, uh, retro gaming cabinets. Whew, that's something. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a that's a life checklist I got to get going on. You know, it's huge. Miss Miss Pac Man's my number one. I'm gonna as soon as I make enough money to support myself without my mom's help, I'm gonna Aww. buy a Miss Pac Man cabinet. Uh, but be sure to check out Mike's book, Silent Hill Two, which is. Available right now. Yes, and we're going to take a short break, but stick around, because when we come back, we are joined by the incredible Olin Rogers. We're going to talk about a favorite topic of ours, games that make us rage quit. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. 
Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. All right, everyone, it's time for a little segment we like to call Rage Quits. That's right. Oh, man. One of my favorite topics. Uh, and Sonia, we have uh, for our Rage Quit segment today a very special guest. Yes, that is right. We are joined today by the creator of the Adult Swim series Final Space, Olin Rogers. Okay, so Olin, let's just get into it. Is there a game or games or, or anything that have made you so unbelievably angry that you actually rage quit? Oh, man. A couple times. A couple times. Ooh. I remember seeing the probably the person that ha, that has ever rage quit the like the hardest was my brother playing Mega Man. <laughs> the X. hardest Mega Man X. Okay. Oh, oh man. Oh no. He, I've never seen somebody get more mad at a piece of electronic <laughs> equipment. It was he was so angry. Like, and is it, he is he an older brother, younger brother? Older brother. Older, older brother? brother. Okay. I think that's when I first saw my okay. People can get mad at games. You know, that was like the first time. Your window to, that's to a hard rage quitting. Game. That's a hard That's game. a really yeah. hard game to play. And it was like, we didn't have saves back then. There was no oh, save. Yeah. You just start all the way over again. And there was something so infuriating about having to start all the way back over. So I, that was when I first experienced it. But I think the, the most recent, like, rage quit. I'm talking, this was probably the most I've ever gotten mad at anybody. And it happened with, uh, funny enough, Koti, who's, in, who's Avocado in Final Space. We play games on xbox live all the, all, all the time love it Love and i was that. playing with uh my friend brett so we were playing apex legends nice and i was gibraltar okay this big old guy he's like a defensive character and he's he, he can do artillery he can make some artillery rain down and he throws up this protective bubble shield okay koti mm-hmm. plays this game in a different way than me okay? oh no <laughs> okay it's a good it's a very he, He's very competitive, okay, about this game. So much to where it's like, it starts not to become fun because I don't play that game for that reason. I play it because oh. I'm like, I'm off of work. I don't care if I lose. I'm just wanting to play. Just like, it's yeah. unwind time. He plays it like he's in a tournament 24-7, <laughs> okay? Wow, yeah. And so <laughs> there's a moment where it's like, we've got an like disagreements and fights over this game many times. But this last time I like threw this bubble shield, not at the time that he thought I should have thrown this bubble shield. Okay. (laughs) And I was like, like, no, shut the hell up. Okay. I threw the bubble shield (laughs) when I thought I should have thrown the bubble shield. And he was like, well, we're dead. We lost. (laughs) Like, what is this? I'm not playing this game. I'm not a competitive guy. I, I don't care if we win. It's like, well, I do. I, that's why, I mean, everybody wants to win. I'm like, I don't want to, I don't care to play it like this. And I literally just quit out of the game. And I text him, I'm never playing this game with you again. Whoa. I'm down, I'm basically deleting the game. I deleted the game <laughs> off my Xbox. Oh, like no. something, I was like, something changes in you. And I love you, buddy, but I can't play this game with you. And it's only that game that he specifically that with. I play Call of Duty with him. A joy. He's a joy. 
There's something about Apex Legends. Wow. It just brings out the worst. In his blood. He becomes <laughs> animal. Oh, and he's no. good. He is good. Sure. I will 100%. He's a great gamer at Apex Legends. But he will get on our case every single time. If I don't throw that dang bubble shield at the exact moment that he thinks that I should <laughs> throw it without ever telling me. I'm not a mind reader. I can't throw this bubble shield at the moment that he thinks I should. And the thing is, sometimes I'll even do it at the exact moment he says to throw it, and he'll still get mad. It doesn't even matter. For the reason that it's like I did something wrong, and I'm like, I did everything you told me to do. It's all that game. It's it's uh, it destroys. things. <laughs> I feel like this is like a couples therapy thing. <laughs> it's like I threw it out but it wasn't when he thought that I needed to do it. I literally and I play it with my uh my friend Brett as well and we talk about it. I'm like, dude, what is going on? <laughs> but I will say this. I did re-download the game and I'm attempting to play the game again with Koti, there we okay? Go. Because like he is getting better at managing that. And he is, he, so, he, so he's getting better. We're it's working growth. on the relationship. Yeah. <laughs> That's he's working growth. on himself. That's got, beautiful yeah, to yeah. hear. Yeah. Yeah. So. Good. Wow. I was, yeah, I was going to ask, where are you now? So it sounds like things are kind of, they're easing I mean, back well, in. We're like, if not best friends, the closest thing to a best friend that you can get. Aww. So there's always that one thing that best friends have that you're like, oh, yeah. I can't be anywhere near you when I do this thing. <laughs> And Apex Legends is that for us. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it... Maybe it's because it's three players, you know? And, and Call of Duty's four. I don't know what equation. Why is that game? <laughs> it's just such a, an intensity to it. But yeah, it was... I'm telling you all the time, and that stupid bubble... <laughs> I don't play Gibraltar. No more no more bubble shield. No more bubble shield. Yeah, yeah maybe like something happened in his past where, with a bubble shield in real life. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, he he Sorry. is generally a, a, a fantastic guy, but man, he is competitive. You want him on your team, you know? Right. Yeah. He'll, oh, get, yeah. he'll get the win, you know? He's like always the last one, and you get the win. You're like, yeah, we did it. We didn't do it. He did it. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you get uh, the win, but at what emotional cost? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, there you go. Apex Legends. Oh, my God. <laughs> Bringing out the worst, but yet hopefully making us better people and strengthening uh, yes. our personal it's like relationship. Ther- it's therapy, you know? That's what it is. You're just working through problems by Beautiful. throwing bubble shields and <laughs> artillery shells, you know? What it is. So normal, normal therapy, typical. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much to Olin for joining us and venting a little frustrations. Got to get it out somewhere. I'm glad we could <laughs> be a vessel for that. Uh, and that's it. That's all we got. That's all we have for this week. So thank you so much for joining us today. And if you have a request, a recommendation, if you want us to prescribe you a video game, anything else in between, tweet us at Good Game Nice Try, and we'll see you next time. Good Game Nice Try is produced by Jen Samples and Nick Liao. Our executive producers are Joanna Solitaroff, Adam Sachs, Jeff Ross, engineering by Will Beckett with engineering and sound design by Anya Zizik, music by John Danik, 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 Danik. Danik, Danik, Danik. It comes oh, it back. came Danik, back. Danik, Danik, Danik. Wow. It's like a Doppler effect. It's great. This has been 
a Team Coco production. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at tmobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com.